When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, March 23rd, the Miles Apart edition. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who's just about 10, and we live in Los Angeles. I'm Zach Rosen. I make the Best Advice Show podcast, and I am dad to Noah, who's five, and Ami, who's two. We live in Detroit. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom of three littles, Henry, who's 10, Oliver, who's eight, and Teddy, who's six. We live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Today on the show, we have a family travel dilemma. Our letter writer is wondering how to handle retired in-laws who live far away while balancing full-time work, pets, and a child who hates flying. All of that and dealing with a guilty spouse who feels like they should prioritize visiting his family over taking vacations. Then, if you're sticking around for Slate Plus, we're diving into a New York Times opinion piece by Jessica Gross. It explores the unique challenges facing middle-aged millennials as they navigate parenthood, career, and aging parents. Here's what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. I don't feel like I have any of the guardrails that you're supposed to have in middle age. Like I don't feel stable. I don't, you know, I haven't had a job for 20 years that I know I'm going to retire from. Um, I'm just in a constant state of panic, basically. As a Slate Plus member, you will get a whole bonus segment from us each week, zero ads on any Slate podcast and unlimited access to the Slate website. Plus, it is truly the best way to support our show. So I hope you'll join if you can. You can sign up for Slate Plus now at slate.com slash momanddadplus. All right, we're going to jump into triumphs and fails as soon as we get back from this short break. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. All over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. 
New episodes of Sold a Story are available now. All right, we're back. Elizabeth, what have you been up to this week? Triumph or fail? I'm going to call this big news, which uh, the two of you knew was coming down the pipe, but it is like official. And actually, as I was just about to talk about this, my heart is like beating so crazy because I I think I've been like kind of conflicted over this is something I wanted to happen or something that I didn't want to happen. But we are moving to Tokyo. Woo! Yeah. (laughs) So we got what the military issues, what they call orders. And it's sort of the last step. It means that everything else has happened and that now like movers are going to be scheduled. So we are um, just about 100 days out from a move to Tokyo. Um, The kids are kind of where I would say we're all sort of like up and down all the time about everything. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, the other night Henry had kind of a total meltdown and said that we would just have to sell the house with him in it. But then other times he like sees stuff online and gets super excited, you know, like, Oh, we're going to get to do this. We're going to get to do that. I'm like completely overwhelmed with, uh, all of the things like we need to sell the house. Then they have to move our stuff. And some of our stuff goes to storage, the kids need to likely get into schools in Tokyo. I, I don't really think that homeschooling is going to be a good fit there, but I am I have not fully evaluated that. And there's like a lot of um, just like getting into schools there at this point in time is really complicated because the country was shut down for COVID. And then they basically put a hold on anyone who had to leave the country for that was told they would still have a space open. So as I contact these schools, they're like, well, we're not sure if we're going to have openings. So uh, it's just like, it's a lot. It's a lot Mm -hmm. of like emotional management. And I think the thing is like, I really thought moving here that this was kind of it, that we would be here and Jeff would get to retire. Um, And of course, the Air Force had other plans, <laughs> which were, were, like I said, it's like some days I'm I'm super excited about the adventure. We love adventure. We love travel. I'm excited to live somewhere new and experience some new things. But I also like, I really like my house. I have really good friends here. <laughs> like, uh, I, I know the challenges of moving abroad. And I think the last time we did it, I was sort of blissfully unaware. And now I already feel the like, I know the loneliness. I know the like being somewhere where no one speaks the same language. You know, in Europe, we looked very similar. Um, but I have traveled or lived in places in which I don't look like the general population. And I know that that is like its whole own thing. So I'm feeling like a lot of that. I'm I'm just very uh yeah, but I we weren't sure with like medical stuff if that would go through and then we weren't sure if with just everything going on, but Jeff came home last night with the the official paperwork and so it's it's happening and we're just about 100 days out. So wow. crazy. <laughs> so wild. How long have you been in Colorado Springs? Only it'll be like 2 years when we move. So and typically assignments are more like three and we sort of thought um jeff is retirement military retirement eligible in just over an additional year so we thought we would do three here and then some like a little bit more and retire but um apparently we're doing this instead (laughs) wow how are you feeling today uh well i thought i was feeling good about it but like i said as i went to go talk about it like i got that like um 
that like really anxious feeling. And I totally. associate that with like, when I say it out loud, then it's real. And now I have to deal with it. Our listeners um, are going to th- insist that this happens now. <laughs> like, no uh, well, back. I think, I mean, once yeah. you get orders, it's, right. it's, it's ha- like movers are getting scheduled. They will come look at our stuff and we have to divide things. And wow. I mean, the house goes, as soon as we get orders, the house is going to go on the market in the next couple of days. So um, it's just a lot. It's a lot. So, I mean, in and of itself, like I think showing a house with three children while you're homeschooling is like a circle of hell. So, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, keep this house clean. Have other people look at it while we live in it. Yeah, no problem. So the things that we know so far about Japan is that you're going to send the kids to an international school? I think, yeah, they'll go to international school, I think. (laughs) Uh, We're going to be in Tokyo, so we won't be near a base. This is like not an assignment at one of the U.S. bases there. We'll be in downtown Tokyo. Which is cool as heck. We'll have to get a house, but we can't do any of that till we get there. Um, You know, they book our flights. (laughs) So, and they only do that like 30 days out. So, you know, there's lots yeah. of these like things that are kind of normal for the military. Of course, our stuff goes by ship. And so who knows? They'll send like two boxes by air. <laughs> Last time I filled those with toys because we had little kids. This time I'm like, okay, like what will we need when we get there? And I'm not like we might be in a hotel. We we might be able to get a house right away. I um they do give us a an agent that helps us find stuff there. But uh, and they sent me some things and of course we are going to go to a very small um house there <laughs> or apartment uh-huh. probably more because likely, it's tokyo like apartment complex yeah. yeah versus like the you know sprawl of a house right. that we have here in colorado i mean you're so. so good at connecting with people and i'm sure you're gonna like find an expat community of folks who speak english yeah, I mean, I think that's why I feel like school is necessary yeah. because yeah. I think that is going to be like our kind of inroad to a good community. But that puts a lot of pressure on this. Like, um, I'm not really sure. There's a very large American school that sounds like they might have openings, but it's like, do I want to be in a probably, you know, mostly American community versus looking for an international school um, that may attract different people from different countries. And also some locals may want to put their kids there. I I feel like that's more of the fit that I want. But I also don't know that I'm going to have that kind of choice. Um, We also have this added challenge, um, which I think will play out which is that we're coming from homeschooling. So like, I don't have state tests. I don't have grade reports. Like I have some of that from Henry from his one year, um, which I've always known might be an issue. But I think now it's like, well, on top of it being an issue, it's an issue for these foreign schools Mm. that are used to having people that come from other foreign schools or come from, you know, a U.S. school where you kind of can hand over the transcript. And I really don't have any of that. So like, how also do we present ourselves to these schools? And I'm in kind of this mind thing of like, I've always said that none of that is important. Um, I've known that other people think it's important, but like, how then do I find a good fit for us there? Because the school that overly puts emphasis on that is not really a good fit for me. But I also know that I may need to figure out how to play the game to get in somewhere. So all of that is bouncing around. We're here. We're here with you, Elizabeth. We're this here is, for this you. is huge. 
I'm really excited to hear about the food. That's what my where my mind always goes with international travel. Like, what's the food going to be like? What kind of butter do they use? You know, because butter varies differently and some people don't cook with it. Um, yeah. I couldn't figure out for like like months which butter to buy at the Dutch grocery store. <laughs> like one, I couldn't remember what word meant. There was like butter and then butter with a word. Yeah. And it was like, well, is butter with the word the salted or the unsalted, uh-huh. you know? Um and they didn't use different color packaging. That's funny. <laughs> and then there was like all these other kinds of, there was like farm butter and all, you yeah, know. margarine and stuff. So yes. Yeah. I mean, I do know that the agent told me some of the homes don't even have ovens. They just have a fish drawer. Oh, wow. So <laughs> will we get an oven? Stay tuned. Wow. <laughs> Zach. Okay. We were out this weekend with my sister and her family. She has two kids who are, um, 13 and 9 and, and Noah idolizes both of them but especially my my nine-year-old niece Lainey and we heard from my sister that the night prior my sister's name is Lindsay so Lindsay was reading to Lainey in bed while Lainey in turn gave my sister a foot massage and it's this kind of trade that they figured out because Lainey loves getting read to and obviously my sister loves getting her feet rubbed because I think most people do. I don't want to speak for everyone. And Noah was very intrigued by this. And so that night, Sunday night, Noah proposed giving Shira and I foot massages. Aww. So Shira read to her um, this like Babysitter's Club offshoot book for a little while while I was putting Ami to bed. And then Noah wanted to also give me a foot massage. So then I came in there and kind of finished up reading slash foot massage time. And she she rubbed my feet and ankles too with, with lotion. And um, my poor feet are so dry. It felt great. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is so nice. At one point, she was like, do you want me to start with the left foot or the right foot? And I'm like, it doesn't matter. She's like, no, it's your massage. Where do you want me to start? Um, and it was so generous. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's really learning how to give, like how to be giving explicitly. Um, this is this is so awesome. What a triumph it was. And she loved it so much the next night. She's like, can we do foot massages? I'm like, of course. Who's, what kind of fool would turn down a foot massage? So she gets kind of halfway through my foot massage. And then um, she just starts to rub her foot. She's like, oh man, this is great. I love this. And like within a second, she had snapped out of like the altruistic um, massage therapist and she was just rubbing her feet and like forgot that I was even in there. I thought like, oh my God, this is going to be a new thing every night. But I think she's already, I think she's, she might already be done with this thing and she's, she's into rubbing her own feet, which, you know, self-care good for her. But um, I got, I got kind of too excited and thought that we were really kind of had this amazing gift. So I'm not calling that a failure. I think it was kind of back to reality. But there was a 24-hour period where Shira and I were like, we've really figured this thing out. But uh, sweet nonetheless. Are you going to suggest it again tonight? Are you going to yeah. be like, you ready? Yep. Foot rubs and story? I'm going to see what happens, yeah. Maybe she could read to you and you could give a little foot rub. I would love that. She has such and cute then, feet. you know. Yeah. That's a great idea. <laughs> They're small. They don't take very long. Yeah, Totally. <laughs> 
You know what? I asked Naima to rub my feet once, and she still brings it up. Like, uh, remember the time you like, asked me to you rub your ask? feet? Like, remember how <laughs> ridiculous that was that you thought I would rub your feet? <laughs> What's so you're saying Zach should just enjoy the one and a half foot rub yep. he got? No, yep. keep it going as long as you can. Like, let's let's just see. You know, you might have to trade. That's fine. Her feet are still little and sweet. I'm open to that. What's going on with you, Jamila? All right. So um, I've been reading this book called Your Defiant Child, Eight Steps to Better Behavior by Russell Barkley and Christine Benton. Um, I found it to be pretty helpful. It was recommended by Naima's therapist. We've been dealing with some, you know, defiance issues. It's great. So um, I, in the book, they suggest getting like having some sort of reward system like a big part of it is like going over the top with praise you know when your child does something correctly making sure that you're like hey that's great the way you hung your towel up it's awesome that you brushed your teeth tonight you know like going above and beyond to make sure that you're recognizing the things that your child is doing correctly because ostensibly if you've gotten to the point where you're reading your defiant child you've spent a lot of time (laughs) Mm -hmm. correcting behavior right Mm -hmm. and so we're trying to balance this out with some praise And they also talk about having some sort of incentive system. So they suggest buying like poker chips and your child can earn a chip for washing dishes or completing their homework and the chips add up to something. So I'm like, this is really cool. I jump right into it. I order some chips. I order a little (laughs) wallet for Naima to keep her chips in. I'm like, I like this. What I didn't devise was like an actual system for what these chips add up to. So Naima's just been acquiring chips and she's really into it. But she's like, so what am I going to get for these? And I'm like, right, I'm working on that. So <laughs> do you have some ideas or you want, because what I let the kids write down things that they wanted, because we use a very similar system, uh-huh. but then I assigned the chip values. Okay. Um, and I keep it in a online document because the economy changes. <laughs> Got it. So... If chip acquiring, you know, like if she's earning a lot of chips, you don't want like, you know, one of the things the kids wanted was like to be able to go to Target and pick out a new shirt. I don't know what that says about me. But, you know, if they're acquiring eight or ten chips a day, you don't want that to be five chips. Right. But if they're only earning one chip a day, then maybe five or seven chips is a good value. So she's so I she's racked up. Does like, she know what she wants? She's racked up like eight chips in two days. Um, yeah. So whatever it is, I was thinking like maybe the chip starts at 50 or 100. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you gotta have a lot of chips. And I actually did think about like a new shirt, a new pair of pants, you know, like things that she's because re- she's really in the clothes right now. Yeah. So I let them come up with like three or five things, like write them down. And then I approved them and assigned chip values and we had a little document. And so they could go check, you know, uh, cause we get chips for, if you don't have, we do this card system, the good habits card. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have to draw a good habits card, you get a chip. Okay. Um, and sometimes if you complete all your good, ha- like if you had to draw a bunch and then you did them without complaint, you know, you get like a, like a bonus chip, like, okay, you did a good mm-hmm. thing. But that way, you don't have to come up with the things. I like you can that. just decide how frequently you mm-hmm. want to do the things. <laughs> I like that. Um, on that note, we're going to take another quick break. We'll see you here in a second for our listener question. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, let's hear today's listener question. Dear Mom and Dad, how do you deal with retired in-laws that live across the country? Like a 20-plus hour drive with zero direct flight options. If it weren't for us going to them, we would never see them, and they would never see their grandchild, age five. We work full-time and also have two dogs, so planning an out-of-state trip is a lot. When we were childless, it wasn't too big of a deal, but now it's just hard with a child who really hates flying and is barely able to make a two- to three-hour flight. We used to travel a lot pre-kids, but now my spouse feels like we shouldn't be taking our kiddo on vacations and trips because we should be using that time to see his parents and siblings. It makes him feel guilty to have his parents see us going to places, but not going to visit them. I feel like we should be making our own memories, since they always have excuses about why they can't travel. We even have invited them to travel with us so they can see different places. So, just curious to see how other families handle this. I live in the same city slash state as my entire family, but my spouse has zero family around. Thanks. Memory-making mom. What do you think, Liz? Well... I have the same problem, and I don't know that I have a solution. So uh, Jeff's parents um, do not live close, have never lived close to anywhere we've been stationed. They do not travel to us for a number of reasons. Every once in a while, we've been able to kind of coax them to to come see us. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they, it's very important to them that we like go there and his brothers are driving distance and like be with his family. But same thing, it like, we can't, they live in a small town. We can't take a direct flight there. When we start comparing costs, it's like, well, we could go there or go like, any other place. And Jeff and I, as you know, like to tra- we travel. We have like set up our lives around trying to take the kids places. So my solution, which is not, does not make anybody happy, is that Jeff and I just decided that sort of what we owe his family and his parents is like to be kind and to do things that maintain a relationship. And for us, that doesn't always mean that we can come there for everything or that we even go there at all. We always invite them um, to come join us. Anytime that we are anywhere within driving distance, I would say we go above and beyond inviting to like begging them to come meet us there. Because I think like what, what they're really saying is like, I want to still have this relationship with the kids. But we just sort of had to say, listen, we're never we we don't control where we live in a lot of ways. So we don't get to live by family. And fundamentally, you have to sit down and decide what you and your 
partner want for your family and what that looks like and then make the choices based on that. And I was thinking to back when Zach recommended doing like a family manifesto and that that might be a really good place to start. Mm. And I think the thing is like to not have any judgment. Like we have plenty of friends that use most of their time to go back and be with family. And that is important to their family. And I think that is wonderful. Uh, Jeff and I have chosen something else and that works for our family. It does not make people happy. In fact, we are inundated by a lot of passive aggressive texts about how we are never there. And that, of course, is compounded. And I think this situation, too, by the fact that we get to see my family a lot because they travel to us a lot. Um, and and those things, you know, people are competitive and there's a lot of feelings around mm-hmm, that. But mm-hmm. I think Jeff and I always just come back to like, um, this is what we've decided for our family. We can't be responsible for making everybody else happy. And we understand that there are consequences in the relationship to not going there and being there and participating, but we accept those consequences. So I don't know that that solves your problem. Just to say, uh, we're having this too. We've decided to just travel and we just deal with the consequences. <laughs> right. And I think getting clear with them, and you might be clear um, already, though it's not it's not evident in the letter, like why aren't they visiting? If they're visiting, if they're not visiting because they're like, no, you should always come to us, then that's very different from like, you know, maybe they're immunocompromised, maybe they don't want to fly. There could be a- any number of reasons. So I'm, I'm I'm curious about that, but I totally understand this this notion of not wanting to go somewhere else and then them feeling guilty. And what might help with that is just having a clear line of, of communication with the in-laws. Talk to them. Say like, you know... Uh, it's really important to us as a family to have these adventures. We would love for you to join us. Maybe, I don't know if that's true, but like, you know, you you can, you can invite them along with you. Um, and just say like, like Elizabeth was saying, like spending time in the same room, isn't the only way, isn't the only way that we want to, isn't the only way to have a relationship with you. Um, because we don't see you so often, maybe we could start doing a weekly family FaceTime. Um, something that my wife's husband, so, that's me, that's me, something that <laughs> something my wife, I do. something that my wife's father does, even though he lives in the same town as us is send Noah and Ami letters in the mail, which is a really sweet old world thing to do. And it's a great way to maintain a relationship, especially, um, you know, if you're like writing meaningful things to one another. So, you know, that's another thing, but it is your life and you shouldn't not have adventures because it's going to make someone outside of your immediate family feel guilty. It's a tough pill to swallow, but it's like, I, I totally agree with you that you want to make your own memories. You are entitled to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, just kind of get clear with the in-laws about what your, your intentions are and know that you're not trying to, to so they, so they know you know, what's important to you. And, and so they know that you, that um, they are important to you, just not perhaps in the, the exact way they want to be. Um, I agree with you both. 
Uh, I think you all do have to decide as a couple where your priorities are. And obviously it sounds like these family visits are a priority to your husband. So maybe the compromise is that half of the year's travel is family travel and the other half is vacation. You know, I mean, whether that's two trips or four trips that you're still making time to see your in-laws, but you're also giving yourself the opportunity to experience other things. Um, this is tough for me. I will say I have taken Naima on few vacations. We visit my family. That's just kind of something that I've done. And we visit them usually a couple of times a year. Um, and it's important to me and her father's family's in Chicago too. So when we go home, she gets to see both of them. And it is a sacrifice. I do sometimes think like, wouldn't it be fun to go to Orlando? Wouldn't it be fun to, you know, do something different? Um, but having that time with, you know, my parents and my sister and her son, husband, it means a lot, you know, so your husband's not wrong for wanting this, but I understand that you all have kind of different visions for how you'd like to spend that time. So maybe splitting it could be useful, you know, uh, if we do winter with your family for, you know, uh, summer, we go to Wisconsin Dells, you know. Mm -hmm. And maybe even, I don't know if splitting up is an option, but like your husband and your kid could go see his parents, you know, and you could go, you could have a couple days to yourself too. So, I mean, there's all sorts of iterations that, that could work. Yeah, I wanted to mention too, um, kind of the stressors of, traveling and a child who hates flying and all of that to say like all of that will get better <laughs> like you it, and the only way to make it better is to keep doing it so I I don't think that in and of itself like it's definitely a a stressor um and maybe the flight is too long I mean I think that's another way they can approach this is like we have to work up to that but can we meet halfway or can we drive can we find a place um just invalidating also not only is it a a choice that you're making for what you want but also like there are some real factors that that influence how far you can go in the stage of life that you're in um cuz we also used to go visit uh the in-laws all the time when we were single because we could just or when we sorry not when we were single when we didn't have kids so when we didn't have kids we would go visit the in-laws because it was easy to like hop on a flight and we could work and we could do this right now all of a sudden there's like five of us that need to go and we need to stay somewhere like everything just kind of compounded um Zach, i really liked what you said though about making sure that they know that it is not about that you don't love them or want to see them or want to have the kids have a relationship. And I feel like that is something that I'm constantly trying to communicate with Jeff's parents because to them, those physical visits are really important and we are aware of that. Um, but trying to make sure they know this isn't like we don't want them to see them, uh, just that we kind of have to make our own own choices as a family. And um, Jamila, I think it's really worth reiterating what you said about like, if this is important to your husband, like not just he feels guilty, but like the guilt is coming from a place where he feels important, then yeah. I think you do have to make sure that that is happening because that is a very valid like need to be fulfilled. Agreed. Agreed. And they're doing amazing things with VR these days. I'm not trying to be uh, dismissive, but like there's like 
these simulations with VR where you where it feels like you're in the same room as someone on the other side of the world. I don't know how your in-laws would take to the headsets, but it's kind of cool. Definitely not like being in the same room, but kind of better than a Zoom. Well, you've got some options, memory-making mom. Uh, thank you for writing in. Let us know what you end up doing for your next trip. Um, everyone else, if you have advice or questions of your own, Write to us at momanddadatslate.com or leave us a voicemail at 646-357-9318. That is it for our show. Remember to subscribe and tell a friend about us. We'd love to keep expanding this little community of ours. This episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Zach Rosen and Mara Curry. Alicia Montgomery is VP of Slate Audio. For Elizabeth Newcamp and Zach Rosen, I'm Jamila Lemieux. Thank you for listening. 